0: All right, well, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter three verses seven through eighteen, and I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to continue our Thrill of Hope series for Advent. and today we're talking about the generosity of hope. John or, sorry Luke chapter three verses seven to eighteen. "'What should we do then?' the crowd asked. John answered, "'Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, "'and anyone who has food should do the same. "'Even tax collectors came to be baptized. "'Teacher,' they asked, "'what should we do?' "'Don't collect any more than you are required to,' he told them. "'Then some soldiers asked them, "And, "'And what should we do?' He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us to hear your message this morning. Let the words that I say be yours. Keep the focus on you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Most of you have not been in the Church of the Nazarene for very long. In fact, I would hazard a guess that I am the longest- Nazarene present this morning in this room as I have been a Nazarene pretty much since the time I was born Uh, There was like a 20 year gap when I wasn't anything but I was still technically a Nazarene because you really just don't go away from that and When I was a kid it was not uncommon for someone to come up and start talking to you and be like oh Well, I'm like a third-generation Nazarene. What generation Nazarene are you? And I'm also a third-generation Nazarene. There are people who are fourth- and fifth-generation Nazarenes. And so it's not uncommon for people to talk about themselves having been in the denomination for that long. Many people do that as well when they talk about their denominational faith. Uh, Catholics say that they've been Catholics for, you know, many, many, many years back, or Lutheran, or any number of things. And it's not like that's a new idea. John had apparently encountered Jews who sort of did the same thing. They said, We are children of Abraham. How dare you come and tell us to do something different? And John says, That their assumption that being children of Abraham, that being Jews in and of itself, is not enough to make it to God. He says that their heritage and family tree doesn't actually equal salvation. It doesn't save them. It's not an automatic entrance into the kingdom of God. Instead, John tells them that the children of Israel must live lives that look like repentance and not rely on their ancestry to save them if they mess up. Being children of Abraham isn't a get-out-of-jail-free card because even though God promised Abraham that his descendants would be numerous, God can actually make descendants for Abraham out of stones if God needs to. Heritage is not my salvation either, or any of yours. Just because my parents were Christians or my grandparents were Christians does not actually make me a Christian automatically. I can follow the path of Christianity, But the reality is, is that each of us has to come to that place on our own. We don't just get there by virtue of all of the people who've gone before us who believed. We actually have to make that commitment and live out lives of Christian faith ourselves. Salvation results in fruit. And if we're not living out fruitful lives, then maybe we need to go back and look at where we stand versus just relying on our heritage for our faith. But if the things that maybe we have depended on for so long don't bring us into the kingdom of God, what will john the baptist has an answer for that too it's actually a really simple one listen to the way he says it anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none and anyone who has food should do the same um i don't know if you remember this there was a guy once who wrote this book that said everything i need to know i learned in kindergarten and probably about the third or fourth page in he talks about sharing as being something that he learned to do in kindergarten and that made a difference for him pretty much john the baptist says uh share <laughs> Don't be a selfish jerk. That's basically what John is saying, right? Don't take advantage of people. It seems like this should be really simple. It seems like this should be something that we do automatically. But the reality is, is that in that day, there was a significant amount of economic inequality. The Romans who had wealth, seemed to just gather more to themselves, and the people who didn't have any wealth had little, very little. Often, people would abandon infants on the side of the road, hoping that someone would come and pick them up in those days of the Roman Empire, that they would take them as a slave. Later on, when... Christianity-developed churches actually started taking in those children. But you don't make that choice. You don't leave your child on the side of the road if you're not desperate. Slaves and all of that culture were a big part of the Roman Empire, and so there was this group of people who had nothing, not even their own selves, that they could call their own. And then there was this group of people who had everything. That's a pretty broad disparity. And the thing of it is, is that many of the Jewish people, many of the people that John is preaching to, felt like those things that the wealthy accumulated were actually signs of god's blessing so the more you have the more god loves you was their thinking and that sort of fit with the way the kingdom of rome worked the empire you might say it is not though how the kingdom of god operates it's not true it just isn't that the more blessed you are the more stuff you have we kind of know that right you know that just by gathering stuff you don't feel better it doesn't make you happy to have lots and lots of stuff we know That the kingdom of God says, look out for your neighbor. It's the two big commandments, right? Love God, love your neighbor. That's like literally the rules, right? John tells us in his message to the people, you need to do the same thing. You need to give away what you have. I'm sure that there were plenty of people in the Roman Empire who coveted what other people had, who compared themselves It's not like that's a new concept either Nowadays, we have Facebook to make us feel really really bad about ourselves Or to make ourselves look really really good to all the other people, right? if you thought Keeping up the, with the Joneses was bad when the Joneses lived next door and you could see the new Cadillac in their driveway. Think about how it is when the Joneses live all the way across the country and you can see the new Cadillac they have in their driveway. And then the Smiths live over uh, over here and you can see the new Cadillac in their driveway. And how much more do we start to want the things that they have? And maybe. We're not even honest about the things that we have. There's actually a thing where people go out onto social media, like Instagram and Facebook and whatever else the kids are doing these days, and they deliberately sort of construct this picture of themselves that is better than their actual life and it's a way of making themselves feel better for a moment. It also generates this kind of anxiety in other people who see that and think, "Man, I they they're like everything is great for them. Everything is terrible for me. I want what they have." So it creates this other level of jealousy and covetousness. I think that's how you say that, in, um, in the world. But, but God tells us that's not how the kingdom of God should work. That really what we should be doing is taking our excess, the things that we have that others don't, and giving it away. He says if you have two coats, Give your extra one to someone else. He tells the tax collectors not to cheat people. That seems like that should be obvious anyway, right? But we know that people do those things. We know that people live their lives in a way that they try to just keep accumulating more. When the soldiers come and ask him what they should do to inherit the kingdom of heaven, he tells them, uh, hey, here's a thought. Uh, Do your job correctly. (laughs) Do your job and just accept your pay as sufficient for what you get. Don't rip the people off. Don't use your power to hurt people. It's easy for us nowadays to spend our time wanting stuff, especially at a time of the year when everybody's like, "Hey, what are you getting for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? What are you What are you accumulating?" It's easy to hoard things. To say, well, I don't know, I might need this someday. And to hang on to everything you have. Rather than sharing. Rather than giving away. But the reality is is that when we put our hope in belonging, In the wrong thing. And even the people of John the Baptist, they knew that they didn't really want the things that they were trying to accumulate. What they really wanted was something that John was telling them over and over again. You want the kingdom of God. You want the kingdom of God. And why do they want the kingdom of God? Because it looks different. That's where our hope is. It's in the living better that way. It's the abundant life that Jesus promised. It's a life of freedom that transcends the things you have. As we work on dismantling 75 years of a church building, I can't help but think that I wish sometimes that people were a little more simplistic in the things that they accumulated over that time. Now, granted, we don't have whole bunches and bunches of things, right? We don't have as much maybe as we could for that amount of time. But man, um, I do wish somebody had bought a dumpster at some point in time. <laughs> because uh, the reality is, is that we're not def- we shouldn't be defined by how much stuff we have. And going forward, that's kind of going to be part of what we do is we're not going to accumulate a lot of stuff. We're, we're discharging the property. We're getting rid of the property that we owned. We're kind, of, we're kind of putting ourselves in a position to have less so we can give away more. It's part of our new kind of DNA what we're trying to accomplish. And that's what the kingdom looks like. That's what the kingdom is supposed to be. You give it away. When we can let go of the obsession to get ahead, to have more, to keep up with the Joneses, We remember that lesson of sharing that we maybe picked up back in kindergarten. And we begin to see what the kingdom of God can look like right here, right now. When we love and care for one another, when we share with one another. When we are a people of faith who don't just say we go to church or we are part of a church or we are people of faith or that we have this legacy of faithfulness to carry with us, but instead we live lives of generous faith, of intense generosity to those around us, illustrating our love for God and others and demonstrating our faith that God loves and cares for all of us i think about the fact that when we started this process of selling our old building and we got ready to do that when we did we never anticipated that it would sell so quickly it was never something that we thought would happen but God saw that we needed that and took care of it. We didn't have to ask him to have it sell in six weeks. God did it. And that's the same way we can trust God going forward when we are generous. Not that we'll have lots and lots of extra stuff given back to us, but that instead our generosity will not mean that we suffer Or that we live in lack. But that we have enough. Because we love and know a generous God. And when we reflect that, God reflects that in us.